Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland and joining me once again is Joe McCormick. Joe, how, how has, how's your 2014 been? It's been spectacular, yeah, we, we spe- and the best part of it has been sitting in this room with you talking about tech stories from 2014. Yeah, it's 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 that, and then getting your new dog, right? That's the <laughs> oh, that has been pretty good. No, actually, I don't care about you at all. Oh, uh, that's fair. Okay, so last episode we got through July 2014. We're ready to pick up in August and finish out the rest of the year. A lot of stuff happened in 2014, uh, and if you haven't listened to the earlier podcast, I recommend you go back, check that out. That's where we talk about some pretty big stories, and some of them are going to end up informing a few of the stories in the second half of the year, because mm-hmm. that's the way that time works. Anyway, August 2014, here's the one. I I almost didn't want to include this, because I hate bringing attention to it. However... Uh, in August, that's when the actor Adam Baldwin created the hashtag Gamergate. And that Hold was... on. I had no idea Gamergate had anything to do with Adam Baldwin. Uh, Gamergate, the name, has everything to do with Adam Baldwin. He's... Adam Baldwin from Firefly. Yes. And from Chuck. Yes. Okay. He created the hashtag. So this was in response to a a growing brouhaha in video game and video game journalism. And ostensibly, it was about ethics in video game journalism, but effectively what it was... I never really heard about that part. Yeah. I just heard references to that part. Effectively, most of it was about um, attacking female video game journalists, video game developers... Anyone actually really, and ultimately it was beyond female. It was essentially largely anyone who was not white and male, although not, not exclusively. There were some people in, and still are some people involved in, in the Gamergate side of things, the, the, the people speaking out 
uh, who are not, who don't fit that demographic, but that's the vast majority of that demographic. And whether or not there are ethics issues in video game journalism, putting that aside, the tactics being used by many in that movement to uh, attack the, their perceived opponents were pretty rotten, like publishing people's address online so that they can be harassed. Threatening them and their families. Exactly. To the point where people were seeking protection from law enforcement, getting the FBI involved. Um, so here's here's my take on this, is that if you feel there are legitimate issues in the ethics in video game production and video game uh, uh, journalism, video game coverage, all that kind of stuff, there are ways you can express that that are constructive that don't involve threatening someone or putting someone at risk. And those are the methods I think people should take. And that, you know, this is just pulling the whole argument aside. There are some who would say there's no argument there to be made at all, that the whole thing is just a straw man for the purposes of being able to attack anyone that they see as being uh, not them. Right. And uh, I'm critical know- of their privilege in the community. Right. I know there are some people out there who feel like they have a legitimate point, and that's fine if you're able to to uh, to express that in a way that isn't harmful to other folks, because the other folks aren't trying to harm you. It's crazy how this got out of control so fast, and it really showed a dark, sinister underbelly of misogyny, of racism, of homophobia in a lot of communities. Now, I'm not saying everyone who spoke out falls into one of those categories, but enough of them were doing things that certainly fall into that category to make it a real concern. And so I almost didn't cover this because it is a controversial topic. I know I've got a lot of listeners who care very deeply about video games, and that's fine. I think you should feel deeply about the things you're you're really interested in and passionate about. But there are ways to express that constructively and ways to be a jerk, a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I would hope that people who like to listen to the show would take the constructive route, you know, and sure. and if you, you know, if you have legitimate beef, that's fine. But dude, don't. But what folks. if you have legitimate chicken? Uh, Then I will come over to your house and have dinner. Because I eat chicken, but not beef. All right. So also. Well, in, well, well. I know. Let's hear all about your holy positions. Yeah. Let's not have chicken gate. Uh, <laughs> August 2014. What a bummer to start on. I know. Right with Gamergate straight out of the gate. Well, and, and to be fair, to be fair, the issues of Gamergate had been going on throughout 2014. It's just that's when it got the name. Right. right. I, I mean, my sort of basic perspective is I've seen a back and forth about issues of, uh, of how especially how women are treated yeah. in commentary on video games and in video games themselves and in the industry that creates them. I've seen this going on for years and just suddenly it seemed to be, I don't know, attached to this hashtag. Yeah. And I and I wasn't understanding exactly why this particular hashtag Gamergate was now the name for this ongoing struggle I'd been seeing for years. Well, the the initial event that happened ended up being treated as if it were a conspiracy that was that was other companies were attempting to cover up thus the gate yeah and the idea being like it's like watergate it's this yeah, yeah. conspiracy that's going on behind gamers backs where there's collusion between video game journalists and video game creators where for a, a and some form of exchange uh games will get positive coverage that kind of thing and whether or not that's true, it doesn't justify the incredibly evil tactics that were being used to punish, quote unquote, people who were supposedly perpetrating these events. Um, this, this, this is the this is the issue. See, the Internet is what great. a strange world we live in. Yeah, the Internet's great because it, it democratizes a lot of things that otherwise people would not have access to, like content creation. Now, as a regular Joe. Not not you, Joe, but a regular person. I mean, not that you're not a regular person. Let me start over. As someone who is just an average human being, I could go and make a YouTube series. All I need is a camera and an internet connection so I can right. send that, right? Before, if you wanted to produce stuff, you needed lots of infrastructure behind you to do it. 
Well, same sort of thing, uh, unfortunately, goes with your ability to impact the lives of other people. You can do it in a positive way, which is fantastic, or you can do it in a very negative way. You can way. create a Twitter account and threaten somebody's safety yeah. and tell them you're going to come to their house and kill them. This is stuff that, you know, if if you were to just set the clock back 20 years, then you'd be sent, talking about sending stuff through the mail, like threatening letters in the mail. Most people, I think, would say this is evidence of someone who is has got some serious issues that need to be addressed. But today... It happens online and you have entire communities dedicated to finding new ways to do it, which is disturbing. So anyway, enough about that. Let's move on. Yeah, obviously we could do a full episode on that entire issue. I haven't because it's so complex. But moving forward, something that's simple, putting the Gamergate thing into perspective, uh, the Rosetta probe reached the comet that it would eventually land on much easier than than Gamergate. (laughs) This was, of course, the culmination of a 10-year journey, which was preceded by 10 years of planning to send a probe out to eventually uh, rendezvous and then land on a comet to help us learn more about the composition and behavior of comets. So it was a big deal. Uh, of course, it wouldn't land on the comet till a little bit later in the year, but this is when it actually reached the comet. So that's kind of cool. There was also, in August, a kerfuffle between Uber and Lyft which are two competing car service companies. They're part of that shared economy, although most people, I think, would say that it's more like a taxi service than a shared ride service. But at any rate, um, the kerfuffle was that each company claimed that employees of the other company had been requesting and then canceling rides uh, for drivers of the other service. Mm. So Uber was calling up Lyft rides and then canceling them and, to disrupt their service. Yeah. Can you come pick me up 20 miles out of town? Yeah. Uh, the Verge also ran a story about Uber's slog program, which was supposedly designed to have Uber drivers call for a Lyft ride and then attempt to recruit Lyft drivers over to Uber. There was a script to follow. Like, hey, uh, did you ever hear about Uber? What about Uber? I hear Uber pays more than Lyft, that kind of thing. Like, would you ever think about driving for Uber? And if they said yes, then you would get their information so that someone at Uber could try and actually directly recruit them. Wow. It's the new telemarketing. Yeah. The, uh, the backseat marketing. <laughs> yeah. This, this was, uh, this was one of those things that, that again, really gave Uber kind of a black eye for, um, 2014. That was also August was also the month that Steve Ballmer retired from the board of Microsoft. No. So, yeah. He had to concentrate on his sports team that he had purchased. Um, the Cleveland, Developers? Yes, it was the Cleveland developers. It wasn't the Clippers or anything like that. It was the Cleveland developers. Uh, Amazon bought Twitch in August for just under a billion dollars, 970 million bucks. Twitch is the video streaming service that allows people to stream footage of video games as they play them. Uh, I've used this. I used this when I did a charity marathon where I was playing Minecraft for 25 hours and I live streamed the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, there were periods. I remember you, uh, you talked one time about how Twitch played Pokemon where they had tons of users all pressing buttons at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. The way it worked was that, uh, the, the, the text messages sent into the chat would be, um, interpreted as video game commands for this game of Pokemon. And so the, Game of Pokemon would behave in a very bizarre way because there was lag between when you would put in a command and when it would be able to process it. So something that would have made sense at the moment that you put in the command wouldn't make sense by the time it finally got processed. And an entire mythology grew up around the behavior of that particular Pokemon game with like certain things given incredible significance. Like every time a particular item was opened up in the inventory because of the sequence of commands, they con- considered it consulting the Oracle, giving it this <laughs> important uh, sta- status in the game, which was pretty funny. All of that was just user-created, too, which just shows if you create any th- sort of platform on the Internet, folks will be happy to to <laughs> build a mythology around it, um, at least to a point. There has to be some sort of hook to get people there. Uh, also in August, Google announced that it would launch literally a delivery drone service similar to the one that Amazon announced back in 2013. Um, I've seen some predictions saying that 
by the end of 2015, we will have delivery drones. I think that's being a little optimistic. Um, I think, yeah. I think the, the, uh, FAA is probably going to have some things to say about that. Um, we'll see, but it, it's, I mean, would it really be cost effective by then? I mean, I guess if people are willing to pay an upcharge. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess it also depends on, you know, obviously which, uh, which cities have distribution centers there, right? Like if there's, if, if your item is already sitting in a warehouse in the city you're in, then it may make more sense to just go ahead and have an entire robotic line, uh, robots delivering the package to the pickup line. Another robot, the drone picks it up and carries it out to deliver. It never has to be seen by human hand, human hands, human eyes. <laughs> if human hands are seeing it, then things have really changed. But at any rate, uh, they'll be like that guy in Pan's Labyrinth they working will. for Amazon. Yeah. Um, uh, the thin man or whatever it was. Pale man. This was the pale man in, in that movie. Uh, September 2014, we finally got into another month. Tell me. Apple unveils the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus, which was the first phone in the phablet category. You can almost fit it in your living room. Yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't mention the, the, the brouhaha that happened when a couple of people said that their iPhone 6 Plus bent. You know, like they, they, they're, it actually had like uh the metal itself was bending at certain points and denting in and hmm. uh, there were all these jokes about hipsters in Brooklyn with tight jeans that were ruining their phones just by putting them in their pockets. That oh, kind of thing. so you get like butt shaped iPhone yeah. six plus. Yeah, that the, it would introduce a curve that was not intended to be there. Uh, the story <laughs> would unfold that it really wasn't happening as frequently as one would think based upon the number of stories that were coming out. Um, and Apple denied that it was a design flaw. Uh, Apple also announced the Apple Watch, which is their first attempt to enter the wearable market. You don't count the iPod Nano that would clip on to like your shirt or something. Uh, but that won't be available till 2015. So it was announced, but not made available. Tell me more about Apple. Okay. They also unveiled Apple Pay, which is their NFC enabled payment system. Uh, also, well, not just NFC enabled payment system, but that's a large part of it. The idea being that you could go to a point of sale and use your phone or your smartwatch once you got it to pay for something. You would have an electronic wallet that would allow you to transfer funds and, and buy stuff supposedly completely secure. Uh, is the idea being that it meets the requirements of making sure your, your credit card information remains safe. I mean, there were so many stories about information being stolen that that was a big deal. Uh, not obviously a very new idea. NFC technology has been around for a while. We've had Google Wallet for a couple of years. And in Europe, NFC technology is so commonplace that they're not even, like at least in the UK, they're not even launching Apple Pay out there because there's already embedded systems that pre-exist that are popular. It was here in the United States where... There was still a lot of confusion in the marketplace. No one had come out as a real leader. You've got a lot of competing standards out there. And so that's when Apple kind of pounced. Uh, Chinese company Alibaba held an IPO and it became the largest tech IPO ever. Uh, that's an e-commerce site in China. Uh, it was a big, big deal. Uh, also, Microsoft in September 2014 agreed to buy Mojang, Mojang, the company that makes Minecraft. I always say it both ways because just in case, but for $2.5 billion for a game that's been out for several years for a company that hasn't produced anything remotely as successful as that one title. So some people were wondering if this was a smart move or not, because while Minecraft is undeniably a huge success, can you, can you exist on a single title perpetually? Now, if you're Microsoft and you produce Microsoft office, the answer might be yes. That's kind of what Microsoft <laughs> does. Um, that's being unfair to Microsoft. I, I hope I did that future, just for the future versions of Minecraft will have Clippy on them. Yeah. I see that you're trying to build a house. Would you like some help with that? Yeah. Uh, also, September 2014. You know what we haven't talked about for a little bit, Joe? Hackers. Oh, in the so now that we've split this podcast in two, yeah. our opening discussion from the last one was kind of lost. But in that, I was saying that I was sort of thinking of 2014 as the year of the hack. Yeah. That it's the year that I think the average person start 
starts becoming aware that cybersecurity threats are real and right. they're going to affect them pretty frequently in the future. Well, especially when we see that it's affecting not just retail establishments or Bitcoin exchanges, but other things as well. So we have two hacking stories at the end of September 2014. One was that Home Depot would investigate another massive hack against their systems. Mm-hmm. So similar to issues that had plagued Target, eBay, that kind of thing. And also that hackers would steal photos from Apple's online photo sharing service. And this was not a blanket attack. This wasn't like a broad net that was cast out to see what they could catch. It was obvious that they were targeting specific individuals, celebrities in particular, mm. and trying to get hold of photos, usually photos that put people in compromising positions, yeah. nude photographs, that kind of sad. stuff. It was sad. It was it was seeing people's privacy being violated and then seeing the justified arguments. And I use justified in the loosest means possible, saying, well, they live their lives out in the public eye, so therefore they shouldn't have an expectation of privacy. My response to that argument is... You just posted something on the internet and it's public. You know, let us read your email. Yeah, my my argument is is that is a jerk face argument to make. Don't make that argument, folks. No, that doesn't make any sense No, it doesn't. It's not not at all justifiable. Uh, It's a terrible thing. Uh, But but it also, again, displayed the need for, for security. And it also showed that this was not due to customer behavior this wasn't like a customer issue where their problems led to the uh to the breach it was a, another issue behind the scenes that you know the customer didn't have any any involvement with and if your argument is like well they shouldn't put you know those kind of photos up on a online service if you have every expectation that your information is going to be safe, then it's really no one else's business what information you put up there, right? As long right. as you're not violating any terms of service with whatever that service is, everything should be fine. Well, like we said in uh, part one of this podcast, it's it's becoming clear more and more that you don't have to be somebody who doesn't really understand how to use the Internet in order to get everything messed up yeah to have your information stolen you don't have to create weak passwords or you know do everything wrong you can do everything right right and still have your information compromised yeah so very frustrating also eye-opening and it does mean that we have to take a more serious look at online security working remotely where you are shouldn't dictate what you do work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data wi-fi hotspot with at&t in-car wi-fi On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, moving into October 2014, that's when Facebook alternative Ello opens up uh, a bit. It had already been active for a while. So it had had a kind of an alpha slash beta sort of test with just a few people. But they opened up a bit, allowing more people to join uh, what was previously a very small community. So people were getting email invites. You could actually apply. And I did. So I got an invite. I joined Ello, made a little account. It was meant to be um, or it is meant to be a social network that doesn't use any advertising, that is supposed to be just be pure social interaction with users without any uh, fiddling about with the the status updates or news update layout or anything um, like that. How does it make money? Uh, well, right now, it was just, it was getting investments, which some people pointed out, hey, if you get investment, that means that someone somewhere down the line believes that you're going to pay that investment back. So they can't perpetually exist on venture capital because they have to eventually be able to pay back investors. So that actually raised a lot of questions. People were saying, how are they going to make money? And it was a question that wasn't really um, answered to anyone's satisfaction as far as I could tell. Moreover, after an initial flood of activity, Elo kind of faded off because it wasn't doing anything, you know, truly innovative that Facebook or some other social platform wasn't already doing apart from the fact that it wasn't serving you up ads or messing with your newsfeed, but it, it wasn't enough to pull people over. I, I checked back cause I had, I was one of those folks who created an account, went there for a little while, stopped. Uh, I checked my account and pretty much no activity had happened within like the month that I had been offline. Mm. So, uh, maybe that's just because the people I know, it could be that there are pockets within that community that are very active, but most folks are like, Hey, you remember when LO was the thing for two weeks? Facebook in October purchased WhatsApp for nearly $22 billion. Joe, before we came in here, you said, what is WhatsApp? You had not heard of it. I had not. You are not unusual in that fact. A lot of people in North America had not heard of WhatsApp. It's a mobile messaging service that's very popular in other parts of the world, not so much in the United States. So it's understandable why people would wonder why would you pay $22 billion for something like that. But the truth is, it does. You know, there are millions of people who use this service in other parts of the world, and Facebook views them as potential customers. So that is the reason. Uh, also, okay. yeah, I guess that's good enough. Uh, October, that's when HP announced it would split up, separating its PC and printer business from its enterprise business. So the idea being that by splitting up, they'll be able to make much more focused companies deliver upon those kind of uh, promises. Uh, surely October had some more good hacks. Yeah, Kmart announced its store registers were hacked and mm -hmm. that people's credit card information was stolen as a result. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't just online attacks. It's store registers in this case. Um also, HBO finally announced that they were going to have a new service that would allow people to access HBO programming without a cable subscription starting in 2015. Hallelujah. Yeah. I am so excited about this. Yeah. Because, I mean, I love some HBO shows. Yeah. But you, I'm sorry, you are not going to get me to subscribe to cable. Yeah. I yeah. don't want all those channels. I'm not interested. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I dropped cable years ago. 
And there have been lots of shows on HBO that I wish I could have watched, but I don't. I don't. I'm pirate. happy to pay to watch them. Sure. I just don't yeah. want to pay for all this other stuff right. that I have no interest in whatsoever. Yeah. For the longest time, there was no way I could get it unless I went out and bought an entire like season's worth on DVD. And I didn't I didn't know which shows I might like and which ones I don't like. And I haven't watched them. And I I might catch an episode. When I was out on a trip someplace, but it would be completely out of context. I was like, I, I can't tell if I like this or not because I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it is interesting that HBO has become sort of a, a big name in high quality content. I mean, not all of the content they've created would I argue is high quality, but much of it is. And like things like Game of Thrones is incredible, or um, uh, you know, Sopranos, that kind of thing. Six Feet Under, The Wire. The Wire. In my opinion, maybe the best show that's ever been on TV. Yeah. Okay. That's that's interesting. All the seasons? Would you say that all the seasons hold up? Yeah, they're all great. Uh, I mean, they're season, all Season different. two was a little, eh, but. Yeah. But uh, that was by The Wire standards. But you also had like Carnival, which. Was, I've never seen it. It's, it's very atmospheric, but you could tell there was going to be some story issues early on <laughs> but but the 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 cinematography and the atmosphere was phenomenal it's just really like you were thinking uh this might have needed a little bit more of a firmer hand at the beginning for this to to really work but uh, that's my own personal opinion uh at any rate i'm excited to see this come to fruition uh, we don't know all the details yet about how this will actually be put into practice so we'll have to wait and see uh, also in October, tragic news. There was a malfunction during a test flight for the Virgin Galactic Spaceship 2, which resulted in a crash in the California desert, which killed the co-pilot, Michael Ellsbury. Yeah, that was sad. It was. I was uh, I was in California at the time, and I remember I was actually uh, just having to pass a television when I saw the news, and it was so upsetting. Terrible story. Uh, obviously, uh, this was a big issue Personally, it was a big issue as far as the private space industry goes. And it's a reminder that this stuff is hard. You know, we, we, we start to downplay it when you hear about a different launch every other week or whatever. You start to think of it as commonplace, but this is rocket science. I mean, this is hard, hard stuff to get to work correctly. And the stakes are pretty high. So, uh, extremely high. I mean, they're, they're life and death. So, it's one of those things we, we need to keep in perspective. Not that it's not worth tackling. It's not worth doing. I fully believe it's worth tackling and worth doing. It's just we've got to remember that, you know, these are the these are the stakes that are involved and we've got to keep working to get better at it. Um, and so, yeah, that was a tragic tale to end out October. Moving on into November, we have some more security issues. In this case, not so much hacking into a system as creating malware to spread uh, chaos and disorder wherever it might go. That was when multiple security labs in November revealed the existence of malware called Regan, R-E-G-I-N, which affects Windows-based computers. Now, most of the computers affected by this malware happen to be in Russia, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Ireland. Uh, The main targets included telecom companies, small businesses, and private individuals. And the people in the security industry have known about this malware for a while, but it was only in November. This is typical, only in November when it was uh, publicly revealed. Hmm. But there are folks who said, yeah, we've known about this in some form or another for a few years. And suspicions right now kind of point to the NSA as the originator of the malware, that it was a way of infiltrating these systems to create means of surveillance. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's been compared to Stuxnet, which was the that was the um, virus that in that infected uh, computers in uh, Iranian uh, the Iranian centrifuges. Yeah, so it made them spin at a at, a, at the incorrect speed and thus uh, cause damage to the equipment. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of suspicions that this is in fact state sponsored software that was meant to be a uh you you know a cyber warfare tool. So um. We don't have all the details on that. That could end up all being incorrect. But that was where the suspicions were. Also in November, President Obama urged the FCC to reclassify broadband service as a regulated utility, which would actually give the FCC authority to enact the rules they had proposed earlier in the year. 
That sounds like Obamacare for the Internet. Thank you, Senator. Uh, no, 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 no. That is not my opinion. <laughs> um, uh, we revisit net neutrality again. Yeah. It's been big this year. Yeah. Uh, it, and it matters. It does. It matters a lot. I mean, it matters to people like like you and I, Joe, because we make our living working on a website and on shows that are delivered over the Internet. Right. What so, if somebody said, uh, well, I make some content that competes with yours and I'm best buddies with Comcast right. or with whatever other provider. Or what happens? Suddenly my content gets preferential treatment. What happens if some other individual who puts out a great show, but they're an individual, goes up against our company and our company might have the assets to be able to play ball and right. pay, negotiate pay. with the content exactly uh, with the uh, service providers. Yeah, it just it creates an unfair playing field, and yeah. so uh, that's what is trying. You know what what people like President Obama are trying to suggest we avoid by reclassifying internet service as a type of utility. I think one way to sell this to people who are, you know, they're like, eh, I don't know, net neutrality sounds kind of touchy feely. I, I don't believe in it. Yeah. Just explain it to them like this. This is going to severely negatively impact your Internet using experience. Yeah. No matter who you are, it, it really doesn't matter who you are, what services you use. This is almost definitely going to make your web experience worse. Yeah. At least something that you rely upon regularly is no longer going to work the way you are used to because it doesn't fit into that. Now, a lot of people have pointed out that what this does is it creates different internets depending upon which provider you have because the experience yeah. is different. So it may be like you think, oh, Netflix is great because I happen to use Comcast. And Netflix and Comcast have made some sort of crazy deal. But my friend has Time Warner and he thinks Netflix is the worst because he can never get a movie to load because Time Warner and Netflix never made a deal. You know, that's the sort of thing. And for, for a company like Netflix, it's, it's one thing because it's a big company and it has the money to be able to make these sort of deals. They don't, no one wants to do that. Well, the providers do, but not, not the content companies. Um, but it could do that. But for smaller sites that, that may not have that option. It's, it's a real problem. And so that's one of the big arguments against it uh, really is just that this hurts business in the long run. It, it benefits a few really large companies at the expense of hundreds or maybe thousands or maybe millions of smaller businesses and, and private individuals as well. So we'll still have to see how that develops because obviously that's, that's an ongoing story. Uh, did you ever hear of the company Aereo? No, not at all. Okay. So, Aereo was a company that their their business model was that you would subscribe to this service and the service would allow you to access content that was grabbed by one of their over the air antenna. So this was just for broadcast over the air content. Uh, it'd be the same as if you went out and put a giant antenna on your house and you were just pulling information down, except instead of doing it yourself, you're renting time on someone else's antenna to get that content and uh content creators hated this like think of it this way you could get over the air content from a region that's not your own and watch things like sports games hmm. that might have blackouts for certain regions but you could see it if you rented it on this because the antenna is in the region that is allowed even if you are not okay so there were there was obviously huge resistance <laughs> And so the companies took Aereo to, uh, to court. It all went completely up to the Supreme Court. It was eventually decided against Aereo. And in November of 2014, Aereo went into bankruptcy after they had lost all hope of having their business model leg legitimized. So Aereo is no more, which is a, a shame. Uh, it also shows kind of how weird our distribution world is right. It's it, it doesn't always seem to make a whole lot of sense, especially like Ariel's argument was, look, this is content that's free. If you have an antenna, you can freely access it. There's no subscription for this. This is broadcast. It's not cable. This is, these are airwaves that go out and anyone with an antenna can pick them up and there's no descrambling or anything. Um, but because of this other, these other issues, you know, they were, they were being told like, well, essentially what you're doing is rebroadcasting 
something that doesn't belong to you. So it, it was kind of ugly. Um, there was another ugly story. Uber senior vice president Emil Michael said he would like to unveil details about the private lives of journalists who write critical pieces about Uber, hmm. which followed that a, is a, an incredibly bad PR move. It's odious. Is it not? Yeah. This also followed an ad campaign Uber had put out advertising, quote, hot chick, unquote, drivers. I know a lot of people who deleted their Uber app after this event. Yeah. There've been a lot of people who've asked me to cover Uber and, to specifically cover some of the missteps and and weird decisions that have been made over the course of this year in particular. Uh yeah, this is uh, this definitely got some criticism and then you had the response to the criticism which gained more criticism. His response he believed at the time was going to be uh off the record and it clearly was not. Uh this is also November was when hackers calling themselves the Guardians of Peace although that was after the fact, targeted Sony and stole internal documents as well as screener copies of several films from Sony, which were then leaked to torrenting sites. And there were suspicions later that the hacker group might be tied to North Korea, although that wasn't really the initial uh, response. From what I understand, this is still up for debate. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we still don't know for sure whether it was North Korea or not. No. In fact, North Korea denies that it had any involvement in this. In fact, right. OK, we might as well do this whole story right now because it doesn't make sense to unveil it later on. We're going to cover Sony right now. It just started November. It's still going on now. Today, as we record this, is December 22nd. So the story is nowhere near resolved yet. Right. Well, obviously, they were in the process of releasing a film called The Interview. Yes, an inter- a, a film in which two stupid characters, one of whom is a stupid celebrity host of a celebrity news program. You know, this is this movie's a comedy, by the way. Yes, yes. And this and and his stupid producer are uh, they land a, an opportunity to do an interview with Kim Jong Un, the um, the leader of North Korea who is revealed to be a huge fan of the show and are then uh, contacted by, I believe it's the CIA. Anyway, they're contacted by U S government officials uh, to try and assassinate Kim Jong-un as part of their trip over there. And they're given uh, the, the tools to do so. And so as the story is unfolded, uh, like I said, the initial attack didn't really have, as far as I can tell, any indications of the motivation behind the attack. It was, uh, they stole a lot of information. They shut down Sony Pictures systems. People came in and their screens went black and they were unable to do any work. Uh, this was the week of Thanksgiving. So a lot of people said, well, it's a holiday week anyway. I'll just take a holiday. And then they came back and there were still problems and said, ooh, this might be worse than I thought. Found out that a ton of information was stolen, including uh, internal communications at Sony that caused lots of embarrassment for the company. Uh, a lot of problems. They they revealed things like uh, payment disparities between male and female employees at various levels of executive management. That also was really embarrassing for Sony. Um, and then later, there was a threat that. Uh, that was kind of leveled at any theater that would show the interview. From what I read, it was a very vague threat, but they just sort of promised violent reprisal. Yeah, they essentially compared it to 9-11, which, yeah. I mean, if you want to if you want to hit a, 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 a nerve in, in um, the American psyche, that's a very powerful one, obviously, for, for lots of reasons. So uh, first you had theaters canceling the interview that they weren't going to run it law the major chain said they wouldn't then of course sony itself said that actually we're not going to release the film in any format right it's not going to be on dvd or blu-ray or anything like that uh or online on demand and uh, then you had a couple of um theaters offer to show team america in its place which uh, makes fun of kim jong-il kim jong-un's father Mm -hmm. deceased father uh and then paramount said, no, you can't do that. Uh, Alamo Drafthouse was going to do this and then was told by Paramount that they couldn't do it. So they pulled that movie, too. Mm. They were going to do that. Um, President Obama essentially kind of said that Sony made the wrong choice to pull the movie. Yeah. Uh, 
today, the day we're recording this podcast, there has been a story about North Korea uh, Internet um, s- services being disrupted in yeah, some fashion. I read about it on The Verge. It was an article just today where uh, th- and today is December 22nd, yeah. 2014, that apparently over the past 24 hours, North Korean users have been experiencing severe Internet connectivity problems. Keeping in mind that the people allowed to have even access the internet in North Korea, it's pretty limited. Right. But, uh, some people have speculated on the internet. Well, you know, president Obama just said that there would be a sort of like appropriate, uh, re- uh, response. Yeah. Some sort of proportionate response. Yeah, propor- I think those were his words, proportional yeah. response. Uh, and so the question is, well, is the United States striking back right. against North Korea? Or is uh, it and, someone and else? And that's or... just speculation. Yeah, we, 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 we don't, don't even know. know for sure that North Korea is behind the initial attack on Sony. Right. And subsequently, we don't know that the United States is behind what's happening today. But I don't know. Everybody's everybody's got a theory. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of. uh that that guy from Office Space would be making a mint off his jump to conclusions, Matt, today. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things we don't know, and yet people are trying to draw conclusions based on that. Uh, for example, there have been a lot of sites that have suggested that apart from some some um, circumstantial evidence, it doesn't really there's nothing that's there's no smoking gun that North Korea was, in fact, behind the original attack and North Korea representatives say we weren't responsible. In fact, we will offer to have a joint investigation into this, which the United States declined uh, because one, we don't know if they're being sincere in that it's North Korea is an enigma, right? To us. It is a, it is a country that a lot of us are very much ignorant of because it is secretive. It's cloistered. It is, Got a very peculiar culture from the perspective of the United States. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. 
There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So this is a really weird mystery that's unraveling slowly at the end of 2014. It does, again, portray the uh, the, the the year of the hack, the year of the hack. Yeah, it's another great example. And in fact, it's not the only one that happened in November 2014. Uh, there was a group of hackers, although some people don't call them hackers, uh, called the Lizard Squad that brought down Xbox Live with DDoS attacks, which mm-hmm. is a distributed denial of service attacks. Um, the, the reason why kind of simpler approach. Yeah. There. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, I mean, you have to know what you're doing in order to get the software you need, but that, that's a pretty low bar. Uh, there's software out there that you can get that you can use to help launch a DDoS attack against a target. And if the target is vulnerable to such things, then you can really slow down or perhaps even crash that system. And that seems to be what happened a couple of times at the end of November 2014 with uh, Xbox Live. Uh, and then there was also at the end of November a bill that would have limited NSA surveillance tactics that failed in the U.S. Senate although it had already been approved in the House of Representatives and had executive backing. So we almost got a bill that would have placed some sort of limitations and checks on NSA surveillance, but um, at the last minute, that did not happen. You know, after all of these uh, hacks and security compromises and people being jerks on the Internet, I need something to inspire me. Okay, how about... The next step in space exploration being a complete success or about as complete a success as you can imagine. Are you talking about Orion? I'm talking about Orion. So Orion, the Orion spacecraft was originally part of the Constellation program at NASA. Now, the Constellation program was eventually dissolved, but the Orion spacecraft was obviously maintained. It was going to continue to be developed. And uh, in December of 2014, NASA launched the Orion spacecraft in an unmanned test of the new capsule. It's designed to take astronauts below low Earth orbit. You know when the last time anyone went beyond low Earth orbit was? Uh, I do. It was in 1972, the last Apollo mission, yes, right? Yes, December 1972, when Apollo 17 went to the moon. It's kind of hard for people to imagine that. I mean, sit there and think about it for a second. Yeah. It's been more than 40 years since anybody went more than a few hundred miles from the surface of the Earth. Right. Yeah. You might think, well, what about all that time in between? Well, that was all spent in low Earth orbit. Yeah which extends out quite a ways before you get to medium Earth orbit and then high Earth orbit. I, I'm still not positive about this, but I think that the highest altitude we ever achieved in the meantime was for the Hubble servicing missions, yeah, which, which is, is still just a little orbit. bit farther out than the ISS. Yeah. So, you know, this is a big deal. This is us going beyond that relatively nearby field of low Earth orbit. Uh, obviously, you have to couch everything in the term relative, relatively because it's still quite a ways out there. But um, no, I'm not impressed. Yeah. But this is <laughs> this is the program that would eventually allow us to send astronauts to first a captured asteroid. To, you mean Orion is? Yes, Orion. Yeah, it has a crew capsule. Yeah, uh, that can hold up to four astronauts. So larger than the Apollo ones uh, that could eventually land on an asteroid. And that would, awesome. that would be important for a lot of different reasons. Largely, it would be a testing grounds for other technologies for us to for the for the next step, which is to eventually send a crew to Mars, which is phenomenal. And that's a huge deal. We've talked about that several times on our, our sister podcast, Forward Thinking. So go to FWThinking.com if you want to learn all about our quest to get to Mars, because we've covered it multiple times and had some great discussions about it including how Mars is trying to kill you. Some of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> also in December, Microsoft begins to accept Bitcoin in a semi-convoluted way. I didn't understand this note. I, I didn't read anything about this. All right. So 
you can purchase stuff through Microsoft services with Bitcoins, but instead of buying things directly with a Bitcoin, like saying this thing is worth 0.007 Bitcoins or something, you apply Bitcoins to an account, it gets converted into a different currency, and then you can purchase things. So there's a there's like a mid-stop in there. Uh, so part of that is because the value of Bitcoin fluctuates greatly in, in just a short amount of time. There was one day when I was, I was looking at it, uh, earlier this month, uh, from 9 a.m. to noon, it fluctuated $30 in value <laughs> from around 330 bucks per Bitcoin to 360. And it was around the 330 mark when I, when I actually looked. But it fluctuate when it fluctuates that much, it's really difficult to price something. It seems like that's not like a currency; that's like a stock share. Yeah, or something. that's what I've often called it. I've, I've thought of it more as a property than as a currency. Um, sometimes I get yelled at for doing that, but that's what I. That's, I, mean, I really think of it when you've got a, a fluctuating value that that's that big in scale. You know, it's it's hard to call it a currency. At any rate, the that's how Microsoft is accepting bitcoins now. Um, also in December, Ralph Bayer, who invented the home video game console, passed Say what? away. Yeah, at age ninety-two, he he built something called the Brown Box, which sounds attractive, don't it? Mm-hmm. This became the Magnavox Odyssey. Uh, so this was a game that would end up being copied and turned into one of the most famous arcade games of all time, Pong. Wow. Yeah. So the Magnavox Odyssey was the first game console to hit the consumer market way back. Same year was the last time we went beyond low Earth orbit, 1972. So a big year, 1972, went beyond low Earth orbit for the last time, got home video game consoles for the first time. So, you know, there's a bright side to everything, I guess. At any rate, he's also known as the guy who invented the memory game, Simon. Did you ever play Simon? Yeah, that frustrating mess. I tell you what's frustrating. The the game Simon plays an important part in Paranormal Activity Five, and that movie is awful. <laughs> you are kidding, right? No, I'm not. They kidding. made a five. Yeah, they're made, they're working on six now. They 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 turned out two in one year, I think. But at any rate, yeah, Paranormal Activity Five. Simon ends up being the equivalent of a Ouija board in that movie. All right then. Yeah. So at any rate. Uh, we're going to skip over the next little note that I have in my notes because it's going back to the Sony hack, which we pretty much covered, I think. But uh, we do need to talk about one last thing that kind of is a story that branches the entire 2014 beyond hacking. If it weren't for the fact that the hacking storyline wasn't so pervasive in 2014, I would say that 2014 was the year that the sharing economy really was put through the ringer. Uh, now, this is the idea of services like Airbnb or Uber or Lyft, allowing people to kind of democratize these services. Mm-hmm. But as a lot of people have pointed out, these don't always come across as sharing so much as replacements for already existing industries, some of which are under lots of regulation. Right. I mean, it- I have been to some cities before where we could have gotten a hotel room, but instead we got Airbnb. Yeah. Or and that's, that's, we could have gotten a taxi, but instead we got an Uber. Yeah. I've used Uber and, uh, and I would think of it as more of a taxi service. I don't think of it as like something on the sharing economy. I think of it as a replacement for a taxi service. And, and that's the, that's the issue, right? You've got these other industries like the taxi, the taxi industry saying, look, we have to obey by this these regulations that have been put down on us. These guys don't have that. They are operating under a different set of rules, and it's not fair to us. Uh, and, uh, you know, you could argue, well, the taxi industry, that's not really fair because it's, you might have multiple companies, but really it's the only game in town, right? They're all so closely related that uh, you can't you can't really judge one against the other to say, oh, well, I'll go with this one because it's a better deal for me or whatever. However, if you have a a business move in that's essentially doing the same thing but doesn't have to obey the rules, that's not really fair either. So there's there's this ongoing discussion about, one, does it really really make sense to call it a sharing economy? Two, 
how do we regulate this? How does how do we make sure that they're obeying the rules the way we've said these other companies have to obey the rules? So uh, if it hadn't been for all the hacks, I think that that's really what we'd be talking about the most today. But the hacks take precedent, obviously. I mean, they're they're more spectacular and they really do impact us. I mean, everybody, not just the big companies that got targeted. Oh, no. I mean, when the companies were targeted, it was a lot of times consumers who were the real target. Yeah. Like the, yeah. The, they were the, the hackers were either trying to influence consumer behavior or public opinion or were trying to get consumer data in order to make use of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's something that we're all facing. It's the, the year of cyber insecurity. Right. Right. So, you know, that kind of wraps up. The year, uh, that, I mean, that was a, a pair of episodes to really go into those big stories. Joe, is there anything else about 2014 that you just feel that, you know, we didn't, didn't address that needs to be said? I would say something clever here, but there's nothing clever in my entire brain. Yeah. I'm, I'm at that. To be fair, Joe, we are at the end of this year and it has been a really tough, awesome, but tough year. Mm-hmm. So we're we're starting to feel it. We're we're slogging through the last <laughs> few days of 2014. Why don't um, you talk us out, sir? I will. So here's one thing I would say that we have to look forward to in 2015. Uh, you guys may not be aware of this, but HowStuffWorks.com, we are relocating our office. We're moving to a totally different part of town. We're st- still going to be in Atlanta, uh, but it's we're really excited about the new office space. Our our podcast studio is going to be a little more cozy. A little less exposed to the sirens of outside. Yeah, if you've heard any sirens today in this podcast, then uh, we hope that because the the new audio studios are going to be internal rooms, they're not going to share a wall with the, the outside wall, uh, that we won't have that problem anymore. So we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to having two different video studios to shoot in, not just one. Uh, we're looking forward to being directly over a collection of amazing sounding restaurants that are all going Mm. to be really close to us. So it's, we're really excited. So in 2015, uh, after we get through the first month or so, you're going to hear probably some enthusiasm in your various how stuff works podcasts that you listen to that hasn't been there for a while, simply because we're all going to be excited about our new digs. Uh, so keep an ear out for that. And maybe at some point we'll do a neat little video tour of the office, kind of like the way Chuck did when we moved into the space we're in now. That would be fun, I think, to to do that once we've got it laid out. Because we're going to have an amazing table. <laughs> we've heard so much about this table we're going to have. The question mark table. Oh, yeah. yeah. The question mark table. It's yeah. shaped like a question mark. Yeah. That's, that's it in will our be, logo. Uh, we'll have us all walking around asking why. Yeah. Or or someone sitting at the top curve of the question mark, all Dr. Evil style and laughing maniacally. That's I, I call, somebody trying to sit across from him, but yeah, I call, <laughs> I call dibs. All right. Well, that wraps up this discussion, guys. If you have any suggestions for future episodes of tech stuff, please let us know. Send us an email. The address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can drop me a line on Twitter, Facebook, or Tumblr. The handle there is techstuffhsw. Joe, I didn't ask you in the last episode, where can people find your stuff? Well, you can head over to fwthinking.com, where I am one of the co-hosts of the podcast there, along with Jonathan and Lauren Vogelbaum. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find the videos we do for forward thinking and the blog posts. And uh, also, I write for How Stuff Works video. So if you want to check out brainstuffshow.com or our What the Stuff videos on, our, on the How Stuff Works YouTube channel, I'm there as well. Awesome. And then occasionally you pop up in other series. Like I remember seeing you on the, the food series as a oh yeah hot I was, sauce aficionado you know one time i ate the hottest pepper in the world and got some video of it and that was exciting i showed up on youtube yeah it was great it was great so thank you so much joe for joining me hey guys i just need to add one little thing at the end of this episode i know some of you will be at ces 2015 and i wanted to invite you to swing by and say hello to me I'll be at the Sharp booth on Tuesday and Wednesday checking out the cool stuff they're unveiling this year. 
Now, I made a super secret pinky swear not to reveal the goodies they'll be showing, but let's just say jaws are going to drop. Sharp will be in the Central Hall, booth 11018. And I heard they'll also be giving away some exciting prizes from their new 2015 lineup. I look forward to seeing you guys there. To learn more about all of the exciting things Sharp is doing, follow the hashtag SharpCES. And remember, if you want to send me a message, just write me at techstuff at howstuffworks.com or drop me a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. The handle at all three is techstuffhsw, and I'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.